Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, Blue Jays fans. We are here on Jaybird Watching. Despite the wonderful, frigid, you know, winter conditions moving in, we're going to be here with you all off-season long, hoping to give you some sort of Blue Jays content every week. And today, we have no exceptions to that. But before we dive into that, want to talk Blue Jays news. We have a whole uh, new coaching staff here under Charlie Montoya. Well, at least mostly new. So under... Charlie Montoya, we have uh, Pete Walker returning. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys caught my article, but I don't think that's exactly a good or a bad thing at this point. Um, is one of those things I could have seen it going either way. I was just a little shocked to see him coming back. We also have Luis Rivera coming back. Uh, Guillermo Martinez is going to be taking uh, over the hitting coach duties. Dave, Higgin, Dave Huggins is going to be taking over the bench duties. Mark Budzinski will be the new first base coach. Matt Bussman will be the uh, bullpen coach. Old Yankees masher slash Indians slash uh, apparently a um, bit <laughs> a uh, rookie level coach at some point too. Shelly Duncan will be the new field coordinator. And then former New Hampshire Fisher Cats slash all over the Blue Jays organization manager, John Schneider will be taking over the most vague of the all new job titles as major league coach. For the Toronto Blue Jays. So whole new rounded out staff here to support the new environment of the Toronto Blue Jays organization. We have what has been deemed the most an office that is going to take all the wonderful tidbits of information that they possibly can to make the best decisions on the field. And I looking at this, you know, ensemble that we have here now. I can see that exact mold coming to fruition for the Toronto Blue Jays management. So I think only good things can come from this. So, all right. And now joining me here on Jaybird watching, I have two of the collective hive mind, apparently as it's been advertised to me from uh, prospectslive.com. I have uh, Jason Panini and Jason Waddell. Jason, how are you doing? <laughs> Correct. Do you want to take this one? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is Jason Waddell. I'm, uh, I'm, I am doing amazing. Great. Just came from yoga. Oh, there you so go. I'm nice and relaxed. JP, how are you doing? I'm I'm equally amazing. I ran today, so we both worked out. It was a good, productive day. Yeah, you guys are definitely beating me here back up in Rochester, New York, where it's been literally blizzarding all day <laughs> right across the pond what's, from Toronto. So. Craig, what's the, uh, what's the temperature there? Yeah, literally zero degrees Celsius, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So right there on the line. <laughs> If I were to tell you that today in Tampa, Florida, I woke up and it was 45 degrees and I bundled up in a scarf, a toboggan, and two coats, <laughs> what's the first word that would come to your mind? Al Gore you like right? <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty, I was freezing. I'm not no, gonna it lie was to. a cold snap for you guys, definitely <laughs> down there. And uh, yeah, spring training can't come quick enough, right? I'm actually enjoying the cold. I built a fire pit, and 
So as long as it doesn't get too cold, yeah. you know, or as long mm-hmm. as I don't have to be outside too long in it without a fire pit, I'm fine. Yeah, not frigid north up like it is up here near Lake Ontario where all the wonderful Blue Jays fans typically congregate. You know, we can only, only so many of us can migrate south and then, you know, invade your guys' area there in Florida. Yeah. I well, think the one s- word you know, the one yeah. word might be punchable, Jason. You're sounding very punchable. <laughs> very, I have a very punchable demeanor with my uh, 47 degrees and dying when I go outside, right? You know, and when I see, I guess the, I guess the, uh, I guess the Canadians and the, uh, and the, and the upstate New Yorkers and New Englanders are those guys walking around with t-shirts on when it's 45 degrees in Florida. We would be. I, that's a windows down day in the car for me, my friend. So just saying. So, gentlemen, maybe I'll start with you, JP. Um, tell me a little bit about Prospects Live before we start diving into Arizona Fall League Blue Jay action here. Yeah, we're just a bunch of baseball addicts, I think, um, coming from, you know, different uh, different avenues. So we have a couple guys who are, like, fantasy-oriented and uh, a couple guys who are kind of more scouting-oriented. And we all just share this passion of baseball. And um, it kind of was brewing over the course of the summer. And um, I know Ralph and Jason had talked a little bit about it to each other. And... Uh, you know, they had put out feelers to different people, seeing who'd be interested, and um, the five of us just came together and said, you know, let's try to fill this void, this niche, um, basically, you know, it's kind of like a, a niche where scouting and um, player evaluation meets fantasy baseball, so that's really what we're trying to fill, and uh, Jason always talks about the tension between kind of real life um, evaluating a players versus fantasy, and how they play off of each other, and that's kind of what we're trying to hit with Prospects Live. Yeah, I think you guys have found a nice little niche, because as far as the guys I'm seeing throughout your website, you guys have literally not discriminated against viewing any prospect at any level, and I think it's one-stop shopping for minor league baseball. So, JW, what do you think? you got uh, your two cents on your perspective at, at Prospects Live. Uh, well, for me, you know, I've been you know with with two major websites within the industry and uh you know both of those sites it was really just kind of um you're not you're part of a team so much as you're just you're almost anonymous and and it's just provide us content and and uh i think with prospects live what we wanted to do um you know was is we wanted to carve out a niche for I mean, I feel like I still feel like you know we are we are small fish in a big pond, and with that being said, you know the bulk of us. JP probably went to over 250 games this year. I went to 150. Um, I think that what we want to do is just bring kind of that that attitude of this is what we see. We're you know when you when you go to that many games, you know you're going to be able to put you know, put things into context. And, and, uh, I, I think that a lot of the major sites and having worked for two of them, they don't necessarily have that sort of, uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, idea of we go to all these games and we're speaking from what we see versus, um, you know, we're just, we're just, we're we're all regurgitating the same information, and I kind of feel like as a fan, that's what I saw. And when I got into this industry, 
working within the industry. That's what I experienced. And so, you know, Ralph, uh, Lance, Brozdowski, uh, JP, and, and Matt Thompson and I, we, we decided that what we wanted to do was was create a space that was focused on this is what we see at the field and this is how it applies to your fantasy team. Yeah, I think you guys have hit that nail on the head because it almost feels to me as a fan, this almost feels like insider information to me. You know, this is the stuff that the organizations are supposed to be holding close to the chest and you guys are almost just as good as some of these prospect reports that I've seen from major, major, major websites, if not better in most cases, that you're, just, you're putting a nice spin on it and... That's why I wanted to make sure that we made a point that, J- Jason, that, you know, we had this conversation again after meeting up for how many podcasts together <laughs> that we would talk well, prospects and go with this. Well, you know, I just want to plug JP, you know, real quick, uh, not, not in a sexual way, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, um, you know, I'm just a regular dude that goes to a shit ton of games. But JP was a regular dude that went to a shit ton of games and then got hired by a major league team and signed three or four guys to made, to, to minor league contracts. So um, the experience, I think, is there. And, and, you know, what I quickly realized is, you know, a lot of these guys out there that, that, are, that have the loudest megaphones, they're not doing anything different than what we do. Um, so, I I I hope that uh, you know Jays fans will will kind of uh, migrate over to Prospects Live, you know, for all their for all their needs. Uh, we're not going to be as Jays centric as some of the other Jays websites, but I'm going to be honest with you. I I'm a big Blue Jays fan at heart, you know, and part of it came from covering the 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 uh, Dunedin Blue Jays. So, uh, anyways. That's all I got for you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So JP, um, correct me if I'm wrong. It was the Milwaukee Brewers guys, right? That you've been uh, scouting for. Yeah. So um, it was from basically May to August. I scouted independent league baseball for the Brewers, and it was a crazy, crazy run. Um, Really busy, but um, you just grind and do everything you can. They they actually were, you know, taking my feedback and listening to it. So, you know, that made me feel great. They signed a couple of my guys. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't go super in-depth and detail into it. But, yeah, I I worked for a team, um, at least at a subcontract level. So that was really cool. (laughs) Yeah, I think that attests to how how good the stuff is that's coming from your guys' website right there. I think that bottles the whole thing right up there and puts it in a nice summary for you. It's gotten noticed on a major league level what you guys are doing. So it can't be bad. So, yeah, let's it, keep it rolling. Exactly. So, as far as all the fun goes, guys, we're here to talk on Jaybird watching here about the Toronto Blue Jays, guys. The Toronto Blue Jays were fortunate enough to be able to send six good prospects to the Arizona Fall League, which is becoming more and more competitive every year, it seems like. Um, and this year, I kind of feel like almost the hype level and the broadcast level of the actual. You know, events of the league were on a heightened level. Maybe it's just because I happen to see more stuff on Twitter than I usually do about what's going on, or maybe this is the Blad chasm, or <laughs> something like that that's going on. So, as far as all the guys go, the Blue Jays ended up sending. We got obviously Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, uh, Santiago Espinal, Nate Pearson, Zach Jackson, and Jackson McClelland. 
Obviously, there's some guys in there that we know are going to make the majors, and a couple guys that are, probably have a really, really good shot at it. They might not be, you know, what their current roles are, or maybe they're going to be definitely a bullpen arm or something like that. But one guy we got to talk about first, and I'm sure this is the guy JP was, you know, literally salivating at while he was sitting at the <laughs> games. Um, I'll let you dive in, uh, JP. I'm pretty sure you know who I'm talking about. Is it Vladdy or is it is it Vladdy? Ah, oh, it's somebody else. Oh. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Actually, you sure it's not Santiago Espinal? <laughs> I do love Santiago Espinal, but um, I don't think he was quite getting the hype engine with a 117-mile-per-hour stat cast hit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. I Vladdy was so much fun to watch over the course of AFL, and... Uh, uh, recently, a couple days ago, I put out a list for my AFL top 25 prospects, and I had Vlad in there, number one on my list, and I rated him as a roll 80, um, meaning a potential Hall of Famer or cornerstone franchise type guy, moderate risk. And I just want to put some words to how absurd that is. Like, Putting moderate risk on that kind of a role is just incredibly rare. I mean, prospects like this don't even come around every year. Um, and in terms of just the bell curve, like an 80 is three standard deviations greater than the mean. And um, in a normal distribution, that's only three data points in a 1,000. So, I mean, we're talking really rare premium talent. The bat is just incredible. Um, good bat speed barrel control um really nice eye for the zone like and the crazy thing about vlad this fall was i didn't i didn't even feel like we were getting premium vlad guerrero um there were definitely times when just the body language looked like maybe disinterested or um it wasn't necessarily primo vlad but you could still see at age 19 he's just an immense talent and um i thought he looked decent over at third but you got to imagine, you know, as the years go on, he's going to get even bigger and stronger. More power is going to come. And I think he's a first baseman long term, but that doesn't, you know, doesn't make me any less enthusiastic about him. I think this guy is going to be a star player. You're looking at a guy who should generate uh, five plus war year after year. And I just I think he's a, a franchise cornerstone for the Blue Jays. Yeah, those, those numbers you were calling out there with the deviations and everything, that literally spells out generational-type player. And I, I think that's what the Blue Jays fans have caught over the last year, especially. Yeah, it was great to see him playing in Lansing and Dunedin beat winning championships with the Dunedin Blue Jays, but uh, he's coming full force at this point, and there's nothing getting in his way at this point. And it's just going to continue, and I think it's going to be one of those, like I said, this is the Blue Jays version of Mike Trout. And that there hasn't been anybody as good as Mike Trout since Mike Trout. <laughs> so, I think what you're going to see is a. Um, I mean, I get it that Mike Trout is. You know, when we're talking war, right? You know, I've been on Reddit. You know, Mike Trout is is the guy. Um, but from an offensive standpoint, as good as Mike Trout is, Mike Trout is nothing compared to a young Miguel Cabrera as a hitter as a hitter only as a young Pujols and as a young Frank Thomas right the the numbers he puts up you know and and I'm and I, I'm a curmudgeon I'm going to be I'm going to turn 40 in a month <laughs> I still think that strikeouts are lame um so you know when I look at Vlad 
I see young Miggy, young Pujols, young Frank Thomas, right? At that point, I could give two flips about his defense. Whether he's at third, first, left field, or DH, you cannot find a 300, 400, 500, potentially 600, uh, you know, slug uh, type hitter that's going to do that for the next 15 seasons, barring injury. Um, it's to me, there's it's it's Vlad and everybody else from an offensive standpoint, right? But you know, as 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 a as a as an amateur scout and JP as a as a former pro scout, you know, we do like to factor in defense a lot. But his bat, I think, is so special. He's one of the few guys where the bat's so good. Who cares about defense? Yeah. You know, Keith Keith Law just wants to Keith Law just wants to fucking talk shit. Who cares? Who cares about his defense, Keith Law? <laughs> oh, and the, just the advanced approach for his age, too. I mean, it's not just like he's bat speed and that's all he has. I mean, no. that's only a piece of who he is. I remember I remember talking to a guy in Dunedin last year, and, and I think he was a former scout. He might have been retired. I don't know. He was just a really old dude who seemed like he knew a lot of ba- about baseball and had a lot of connections because a lot of the players and the other scouts were talking to him. And he was just talking about uh, when Vlad was six, seventeen. He was facing Drew Hutchinson in a in a exhibition game. And Drew Hutchinson's, I mean, he's nothing. He's nothing special. But Drew Hutchinson is a major league pitcher. And so for a major league pitcher at the time when Vlad was facing him, you know, in order for Drew Hutchinson to be a major league pitcher, he's able to extend the plate with his off speeds. There is a level of command that he has. Uh, the fact that as a, as 17 years old, he was throwing uh, Vlad sliders off the plate, uh, trying yeah, basically pitchers, 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 pitches, in pitchers counts, and and Vlad just the 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 takes those mature takes like I pick it up immediately out of the hand and I don't I don't want that. Yeah, those are the type of things that that like scouts and and myself and jp that we rave about because we don't see that too often even it's hard a guy to like, impress scouts too yeah even a guy like fernando tatis jr who we love there's still some some significant swing and miss issues and some and some pitch recognition issues you know that that he's got to work through in order to to consistently hit major league pitching with vlad it's already there that's the crazy thing I think I feel like the Jays could have promoted Vlad last year, and he would have probably hit three fifteen. Yeah, JW, you want to weigh in? <laughs> yeah, um, that's yeah. All I- well, if I can trade an anecdote of my own, uh, I know you're bringing up the 117 mile an hour off the bat. You know that was in the Fall Stars game, and uh, a scout was sitting behind me. I was at the game, and um, scouts don't get impressed easily, you know. So. The scout just shouted out a fucking seed, and like it was just awesome to like. It was awesome to hear him like uncork that emotion because, you know, a lot of times just nothing impresses scouts, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm not on that level yet. Like a lot of times, I just want to say, "Holy shit, did I just see that?" Am I allowed to swear on this pod? Sorry. Um, I, um whatever at this point. <laughs> Listen, if, if a scout's saying "Holy shit, it's a fucking seed," I mean, you're just quoting. This is just this is science. I'm glad we're bringing scientific scientific evidence. You know, it's a scientific evidence at this point of how great this kid is. 
So, and and that's exactly it. And like I said, I that that's a great story as far as everything goes. Because like usually when you, especially in movies, how are scouts depicted? Oh, they're sitting yeah. there going, okay, great, okay, great. Clipboard, write down a little bit. Okay, good. You no, know, even with something amazing happening, there's it could be all hell breaking loose around them, and yet they're just sitting there holding the stopwatch. <laughs> so let me just let me add another. That's uh, great. Let me add something about Vlad's character, the type of guy he is, right? Because he knows all the publicity about him, right? And his dad was, uh, if you go back on Twitter during spring training when Vlad was killing everything, um, his dad was basically like hashtagging Vladito for the team or something like that. You know, you got Marcus Stroman saying, this guy needs to be on the team. You got uh, you got his dad saying he should make the team out of spring training. We knew it wasn't going to happen, um, but I say all that to say that you know Vlad is very much aware of how good he is. It was his own personal goal to to be in the big leagues by his age eighteen season, um, which he he wasn't able he wasn't able to meet. Um, so he knows that he belongs there, but it's not this cockiness like he belongs there. So uh, I was talking to a a, uh, a player's dad, and he was talking about how, uh, you know, Vlad was, you know, they left the game early, and Vlad was off that day. Long story short, they saw him at a restaurant, and they were like, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so's dad, um, you know, love watching you play, yada, yada, yada. And then they, you know, Vlad went and ate with his entourage, and, and you know, this dad and his wife uh, went and ate. As well, they went their own separate ways. But he said that Vlad came up to him before he was leaving the restaurant again to shake his hand and and uh, tell him how much he appreciated him, and then left. Right. So, you know, it's it's one thing to, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess talk to the common man, right? You know. Or even though it's a player's dad, he's not necessarily a common man, but talk to the common man before, but then seek him out afterwards, you know, to give him some love. So I think that's the type of guy Vlad is. And, and you know, those type of character things, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily translate to greatness on the field so much, but I think it will translate more into just how beloved I think this guy already is and how much he will be. Yeah, and it, this is going to make, this goes great with all the, uh, the the arrow shooting when he does good on the field and all the general just fun of the game. It's is a game. It's supposed to be fun. And then hearing these kind of stories about the content of his character around the game, it it I think it attests to what the Blue Jays' recruiting policy has been over the last five or so years. At least trying to find not just good ball players but good people. People. This is going to be a guy that's going to be a center of a dugout and somebody to build a team around. Period. So. I, it's just once in a generation thing, and it's only going to get better as uh, they built a nice ensemble of players around him. And we, <laughs> I know we've been gushing Vlad here for the last you know ten minutes now, but um, it, that's how important he is. He's going to suck a void up wherever he goes because he's so talented. So that's how it is. So he's gonna he's he's what you build a franchise around. So and yeah. so the Jays are in good hands. Exactly, and I think that's one of the reasons why they are holding him so close to the chest with the what you know we all know is the service time thing, but nobody will ever turn around and admit from the Toronto Blue Jays uh, organization. So 
But anyways, before we dive into other political problems, well, we want to talk Arizona Fall League. <laughs> so, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. As far as all the good stuff goes, were you guys in the ballpark when he hit that off of, uh, funny enough, his now teammate Trenton Thornton, that 117-mile-an-hour crush? You said that the, the, ball, the scout behind you said something, but how did that just ring through the ballpark? Because you could hear it clear <laughs> is day in the video feed and even i had a jaw drop moment <laughs> with that it's just it almost yeah i mean like an explosion <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it sounded like uh it, it's a cliche to to say you know it sounded the ball sounds different off his bat but that's really what it sounded like it did sound like an explosion was happening it was it was pretty crazy yeah because like you, i always hear that you want to hear that nice sound of the click the you know it's an easy to be a nice crisp click of a sound from a bat and I, I'm a firm believer in that and then all of a sudden hearing that even the video online and I'm like wow <laughs> you just get baffled by it a little bit and off a good pitcher too and a curveball so if that was a fastball how hard would you hit it yeah right <laughs> so. but that's Vlad man Vlad everything Vlad hits sounds like a cannon going off even his outs you know <laughs> even his pop-ups <laughs> you know, I mean, when I when I saw Vlad come through Dunedin last year, he probably hit like two thirty, in all my looks. Bo Bo was hitting everything right off mm-hmm. the bat. You know, Vlad struggled a bit. You know, the first uh, the first month in Dunedin, yep. but even his even his foul pop ups sounded like shotgun blast, cannon blast going off. Um, you know, he just he he was just kind of just missing those pitches. So, uh, I mean, that's. You almost don't have to watch. You just listen, you know, with Vlad. Yeah. It's almost like you could take a single chop at a, you know, <laughs> a tree with an axe and watch it fall down, you know, after he casually walks away from it or something like that. So <laughs> it's how hard he swings. All right, I'm going to draw that cartoon when I get off of here. Vlad <laughs> chopping down a tree with one swing of the axe. One-handed with a style. nice follow-through, you yeah. know, like Griffey-like. <laughs> <laughs> Which he doesn't do. I'm... I'm it, something about his swing and just how he distributes the weight and everything is just it's poetry in motion but like I said we can, can gush about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. all day I want to make sure we talk about some of these other guys too and uh, the next closest prospect more or less uh, hitting wise anyway was, was Kevin Biggio and after having a great season with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats um, had a decent showing in the Arizona Fall League I'm going to say it's on par with his numbers in you know New Hampshire this year it, some of the video I saw, it almost kind of looked like he wasn't going all the way through with his swing, but maybe I'm just not seeing something. You guys had the first-hand look. What did you guys think of Kevin Biggio? Yeah, so I did get some looks at him you know, from the open face where you can really see the mechanics well. It was a pretty simple, like short approach, and um, I didn't see a ton of use of the lower half. And one of the things I noticed was um, I think there's a little bit of effort in his swing where maybe that exposes him to swing and miss. And um, he definitely doesn't get cheated on his swings. And um, I didn't think there was a ton of, like, two-strike approach there, meaning, you know, a lot of guys will either shorten up or kind of get more contact-oriented with two strikes. I think Kevin was just trying to let it rip and, you know, hit max effort every time. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's some things to like with the swing, but... I do think there's going to be swing and miss as well. Um, I also, I was surprised when I looked up his uh, baseball reference because a lot of times when I go and scout, you know, I, I literally know nothing about these guys. So I like don't know their stat lines or anything. 
Um, and I was just surprised to see that he stole 20 bags over the course of the year because, you know, he's not a slow guy, but he's also not a burner. So um, maybe that speaks to his um, just savvy with reading pitchers and things of that nature because um, he looked like maybe like an above average runner, but not like a burner or anything like that. Yeah, he's not Chavez Young. <laughs> right, right. I think he's a, I, I think he's a good athlete. Um, he was a good athlete in Dunedin. A lot of those fly balls that uh, you know that he was able to muscle out in Double A just died in the humidity in Florida. Uh, you know, swing has some natural loft to it. But Biggio's really going to be a, a he's one of those just three true outcome players: walk, strikeout, homer. Yeah. If 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 I'm a Jays fan. Don't think that this guy is going to come in and start at second base or or in the outfield. Think of him to be more like your your Marwin Gonzalez of the Astros type, where he's going to be able to play a little bit of third, a little bit of second, a little bit of first, a little bit of outfield. Um, and you know, in 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 three games a week, you know, three starts a week, he's going to be able to spell some guys and 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 pop a home run or two, but. You know, to me, that's his ceiling is is a super utility guy that can that can flash some power and get on base with a walk. But outside of that, there's really I, I JP, you might have seen something else, but I just I don't see everyday player in Kevin Biggio. Yeah, I agree with you. I and there's nothing. I mean, that's not even a knock on Biggio to be honest. No. I I think those guys I think are that's valued. A, I think that's a really valuable guy, someone who can is just very versatile, and yeah. you know he might end up playing three or four days a week be, due to that versatility. I mean, Marvin Gonzalez is about to get paid this off season. You know, very uh, well too, right? You, you and 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 we're starting to see this this trend toward more versatility that the Cubs started doing with having their guys play multiple positions, and you know we're seeing the Rays do that as well. There's something to be said about you know you don't if you can have one guy play seven positions there's value to that um you don't you you don't need to carry an extra outfielder and especially if that guy has some left-handed thunder as well yeah there's a lot to be said for the uh ben zobris type in major league baseball these days with how the bullpens want to have more arms in it and you need to have most most major league teams only have three or four guys sitting on the bench, and one of those guys is already taken up by another a backup catcher. So having a guy like Biggio that can jump in here, there, anywhere, and plus hit his weight, there you go. All the wins. He's a good guy. I like him. I met him last year. He's just uh, – we talked a lot about power. It was funny, you know, because he talked about in Notre Dame he got himself in trouble. I think it was his sophomore year because he was trying to hit too many home runs. And, uh, and in Dunedin, he was just trying to work up the middle. And then it gets to New Hampshire, and it's just full launch angle. So <laughs> <laughs> They could let Vlad outstage him too much and bow, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely think he carved a name for himself because the long ball plays in today's game. You know, we don't care too much about strikeouts. We don't care too much about, you know, I mean, a walk equals a single. And if you can pop, you know, home runs and go for the home runs, you know. so In the day of the strikeout. As much as I'm a you know diehard Roberto Alomar Tony Gwynn fan, <laughs> you know Tony Gwynn struck out like what thirty times in his like highest season or something if I recall right. <laughs> Dear Lord, yeah those those days are, those days are gone. But Vlad is Vlad. That, that's the crazy thing about Vlad is Vlad is that type of hitter that will strike out probably fifty sixty times in a year. Yeah, you know. And I don't know if that was something Biggio was trying to work on in the Arizona Fall League, but after. 
a very lopsided split in New Hampshire this year. He actually was dead nuts even for walks to strikeouts, but it's also a small sample size, only 19 games, but it's encouraging to see, I guess. And my big thing, at least with Biggio, is I agree with you guys that he's probably the 10 out of the starting 9 guy, but I wonder, is it, he's that wild card to me playing in the AL East ballparks. His power could play. Well, yeah, he's gonna hit. He's gonna hit some home runs. It wouldn't surprise me to see him hit twenty-five home runs in a season at his peak year, and uh, and probably hit two fifty. I think if you got that out of him and could play him all over the field, take that all day. There's a ton of value, immense value in a guy like that. Especially with the plethora of infield depth that is throughout the Toronto Blue Jays system at this point. So. JP, how do you look as an outfielder? I've never seen him play outfield. You know, I, I didn't, he didn't really stand out to me as being good or bad. I just thought he was kind of average out there. Yeah, catch what's hit to you. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Come on, this is a team that in 2015, break, breaking the uh, playoff drought in a million years, had Chris Colabello starting in left field. Damn, that's a, <laughs> I feel like that guy's like, that name's like 20 years old. <laughs> that, guy, that guy's legacy's aged in dog years. Yeah. Wow. Chris Cole, yeah, I, I haven't there. thought about I'm him sorry. in forever. Maybe it's because I watched him play with the Rochester Red Wings for two years, too. You know, yeah. <laughs> It's even aged more for me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll touch lightly here on uh, did you guys get a chance to see um, someone actually perform pretty well for the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats after the trade, uh, Santiago Espinal. Um, not a ton, but I don't know how much of this is. He only had 56 at-bats in 15 games. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like saw him for sure. <laughs> I like Espinal's gonna Espinal's going to be a major league player. So, and, I mean, this is, I, think he's, I think he's a utility player, but that's, again, that's valuable. Um, you know, he definitely can play short. I don't think he's a star there, but, um, you know, I, just looking at him, it's like a pretty wide base stance, and his hands start pretty close to his head, and... Um, one of the things I look for with hitters is I want to see where their hands are and where the bat is at like slot position, meaning that's like right before um, the bat starts to come forward through the zone. Mm-hmm. And with, with Espinal, his hands stay pretty high through slot, and there's a little bit of bat wrap there, meaning like the bat is angled above his head, and that creates length to his swing. And he has pretty good hands, which, like, which offsets some of that. But I think the length in his swing kind of hurts him a little bit. Um, so that's and a hitch in it. Yeah. I mean, it just it puts you behind the eight ball. And um, just looking at his swing, it's a little bit linear. And I think, I'm not sure what his power numbers looked like on the year. I'm assuming he didn't hit for a ton of power. But, you know, I, I still think he can hit for decent contact. And... Um, <clears throat> He always struck me I, as a gap-to-gap guy, but funny enough, he yeah. ended up between the three teams he played on this year, he did end up breaking in 10 home runs. Okay. I think he's I think he's going to be better at his peak than Ryan Goins. And that's uh, he's not a, bad for most Blue Jays fans. <laughs> and so I, I think he's going to be a major leaguer. Um, he's just a scrappy, solid, he just does everything well with the exception of you know, of, of that premium long ball power. But everything else he does, he if we're saying that his tools are average outside of power, but if he has four average tools across the board, then that's a that's a major leaguer. Yeah. Um, 
I like him. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see him and he's a good, solid extra piece for the Toronto Blue Jays in the near future. Or if he's one of those nice guys that throw in to sweeten a trade deal, there you go. It's He's a solid player, and like I was very fortunate, to get, like I said, to get to see him while he was playing in New Hampshire this year, and I was pleasantly impressed. So it was nice to see it. Like I, I did notice that what you were saying with his swing, and it didn't look like he uh, quite got all his bo- bottom half into the f- first game I saw, but his swing was a lot different the second time yeah. I saw him later in the season. So it's kind of weird, right? Because like he has this leg kick, and a lot of times when guys have leg kicks, you just kind of assume that the lower half is going to be very well incorporated. But like when I looked at his swing, there's a leg kick, and then there's sort of his front foot plants, but the hands and everything else are still back. So he's not really getting full transfer of energy from his lower body. And, you know, that sounds like something that you picked up on too. And I'm like, man, the leg kick's there, but where is that power? Where's the transfer of energy? I just didn't see it. Yeah, it's out of sync. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder how much of that was that the Blue Jays organization threw him at the leg kick by the time I saw him. And like I said, it looked a little better, but not like completely 100% there by the time I saw him the second time. And it sounds like it's carried over into his Arizona Fall League. So maybe that's one of those things he finally figures that out and that takes that one little knock out of his swing. And all of a sudden you got a guy that's hitting doubles all the time at least because that's where I think his best part of his game lies. Sure. Yeah, he's going to be he's like a he's like a he's like a poor man's uh, Solarte, you know. I think. And and it took Solarte a while. Solarte had to really get his man muscles and become a become an adult before he really started to flash power, but I think that's what you're getting out of Espinal. Uh and he at least initially is is a poor man's Yen versus Solarte. Who's probably the closest guy to be a non tendered as of this Friday by the Toronto Blue Chase. So. Yeah, they, that's just because they don't want to pay him and they don't want to pay him and they got no place to play him. So I'm surprised so yeah, they have, yeah. I'm surprised though that they didn't find a spot for him. It's a little shocking, but it's just, like I said, I think it boils down to the dollars, it's, especially this season. They're hoping to probably keep everything close to the chest this season with the youngsters taking over, and then they'll have that extra money to either take on some people at the trade deadline or run right into free agency next season. Would be my guess for the Toronto Blue Jays brass. Plus, there's the whole new coaching staff thing, so maybe they decided something on Solarte and said, hey, you know what, we like these guys, let's run with these guys. So, before we go too much further here, gentlemen, I think we have to talk the other, you know, big talk of the town here, uh, Nate Pearson, who more or less, eh, like I said, he had a nice showing in the Arizona Fall League after a little bit of a rough start. Uh, there was one outing where he allowed four runs that really inflated his ERA for the Arizona Fall League through his uh, 20 innings, but all in all, after having some injury issues this season, bounced right back and looks exactly like the arm the Toronto Blue Jays are hoping to get out of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, I try not to read too much into the stats in the AFL. You could almost scrap them, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And with Pearson, especially coming off, he had the comebacker in his first start of the year and um, you know, essentially missed the entire season. He basically didn't pitch at all, so... Mm-hmm. I think this was just a period of scraping off rust for him, and yeah. I, I really wouldn't be it. concerned about the the numbers at all. The you know when I when I saw him pitch, I saw all the stuff flash the the fastball obviously up to reportedly 104 in the 
False Stars game. Um, and then, of course, the slider. The slider was absurd in that game, too. Um, I had seen him pitch a couple times before, and he, the slider was like high 80s in his previous outings. It was registering mid-90s in that game, which is just silly. Um, (laughs) And I actually, like, the scouts behind me said, oh, like, that's, is that a cutter? I thought it was a cutter, too, but then realized after the fact that, no, he was just throwing so damn hard that that was his slider. It just moves that way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was insane. It's like Um, Randy Johnson asking if he's throwing the ball that hard as a slider. Right? And then... The you know the curve and the change both flashed as I'd say as good at least fifty five maybe sixty as well so the arsenal's there it's just a matter of like I said uh, knocking off the rust and yeah. there's some mechanical things that need to be worked on um, Jason and I were at a game together and um, one of the things we noticed was he seemed to just have better command to his glove side than his arm side even with his fastball so. You know, the fastball command really wasn't there the entire AFL. Um, There were times when he'd be pumping high 90s, but if you're leaving your pitch up or, you know, um, these hitters are going to have no issue with that, even even in the AFL. So, I think he he tends to overthrow a bit, um, and that'll straighten his fastball out. Uh, But for the most part, yeah, it's 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 that release point. You know, I, I I. posted a tweet and I tried to freeze frame his release point and these were on like the good pitches um, on what it looked like I there was more bad than good and it was weird because he worked I think five scoreless innings but he didn't necessarily look good doing it but if you put it in the context of he's had one and two thirds innings above rookie ball and he's only got about 25 pro innings under his belt then it's pretty goddamn good what you're seeing against essentially double A, triple A hitters. Yeah. Um, and and like I said, this this or JP was saying it's it's this is the potential of four sixty plus pitches uh, with a body that's about six six two fifty. That's an athletic. <laughs> that's an athletics. This is not a fat kid. This yeah, is a strong country boy kid. This is a kid whose college coach told me he compares himself to Nolan Ryan. Now, don't take that the cocky way. Take that as the, I want the ball. Don't take it out of my fucking hand. <laughs> I'm taking this to, and, and I'm pumping 104. I'm pumping 104 in the ninth. That's the type of pitcher that he wants to be. I think outside of his release point, I think just kind of, you know, repeating his delivery more. I don't see any issues with, like, the arm speed causing future injury. I just think there's... He's fast. The arm action is fast, uh, but it's not like uh, it's not like someone like Hunter Green. Yeah, I felt like where I felt like when when he went down with with or, or Sixto Sanchez, where when the elbow stuff started to come up, I was like, I kind of saw that coming. Um, I was hoping it wasn't, but I, I don't necessarily see that with Pearson. His yeah. his his the effort in his delivery looks more like intent. Like, he's not muscling up to overthrow like someone like Zach Jackson looks like he's doing. I'd say it's moderate effort. It's not yeah. It's not crazy. And um, I, before, when you said, like, Jay's podcast tonight, I was, of course, I went and started looking at video. I actually think he gets pretty good extension. Oh, yeah. um, I was looking at him from the open face. And, you know, if you're getting 
Well, first of all, being 6-6 helps, right? But yeah. mechanically, I thought the extension looked pretty good as well. So if you're pumping high 90s with extension, obviously it just makes it look even harder. Yeah, I, I think it's great that what you guys are saying as far as this st- stuff, because when I saw this kid pitch the first time um, on video and stuff, uh, it honestly jumped out with his delivery to me as Roy Halladay. It's kind of not completely over the top, almost the same exact finish, you know, just falls through the whole way through that, you know, motion and it, it, like I said, it does come easy. I hate saying that word because it is the c- cliche, but it is an easy 100 miles an hour. And I think the one crazy thing about that uh, Arizona Fall League uh, All-Star game, they were saying that his slowest straight heat fastball was 101 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy would be a nasty, nasty reliever if it was just aired out for one inning, right? <laughs> But his pitches, his secondary stuff is just so the it's such a good potential. You can't just throw him in the bullpen like that because it is a, a drawless Chapman freaking insane level of fastball. Well, and and the difference here's the thing. I saw a lot of guys in the industry tag him with a reliever with a reliever role future, and I'm thinking you got to understand the context. Now, if this guy had thrown 150 innings in and and at Double A. And you wanted to put a reliever tag on him? All right, okay. I might not agree, but I understand it. But we're talking less than 25 professional innings and essentially missed the entire season this year, right? Had not pitched above rookie ball. How can you stick a guy with that much rust, a reliever tag, when if you watch four or five starts, he might flash plus to double plus on each of his three off speeds, he just isn't consistent enough and hasn't pitched enough to carry each pitch over. I'm like, his curveball is probably his nastiest pitch. That was his worst pitch the day that I saw him. <laughs> so, you know, JP talked talked about the slider being so nasty. When I saw him, he didn't throw many sliders. Me threw a couple, but it was okay. It was more fastball changeup was what looked good in the start that I saw. So uh, I, sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, he's a, I think he's got, the, he's got the ceiling of an ace, and you just you, you plug him in as your number one and you don't look back. But it's going to take some time. He's going to have to get 150. He's going to have to probably get 200 innings of minor league baseball under his belt before you can, you can legitimately put him in that, you know, that sort of position. So uh, it's going to take some It's going to take at least a year or two before he gets there. So, JP, uh, now that he's been uh, completely written off as a reliever, apparently, ever, where he's going to be, I think, is eventually going to be an easy pencil in on the uh, Blue Jays' rotation, but he, like, like we were talking here, it's going to take him some time, and he's going to have to build up those innings. Where do you think this season goes for him, maybe? Um, in terms of... In terms of like where he's playing, you know, I'd assume more, I think more than anything. Oh, at this okay. Point. Sorry. Development wise, I I just think he needs to get innings under his belt more than anything. I mean, all the stuff flashed for me, and the curveball and the changeup weren't consistent in my looks, but you could still see the potential in those pitches, and I think it might be focusing on them specifically. I thought the slider was his most consistent secondary in my looks, and 
I wouldn't be surprised um, if he's down in the Florida State League next year and Jason just sees him some of his starts where things something might happen where say for an example he's not allowed to use his slider for a start and they they force him to focus on the development of those other pitches um, in order to get them you know more consistent and more on par with where his his slider is. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see something like that happen. And this is why you cannot always believe minor league numbers with pitchers because that is a directive that they get. You're not allowed to throw your best off speed. You oh, know? Yeah, 100%. So, it's, even hitters sometimes, hey, try make sure you go to the plate and try to hit the other way this time. Yeah. Things like that. I'm surprised that you didn't see some of the numbers for like Vladdy and Bo, or maybe that's why Bo Bichette had you know, the quote-unquote troubles this year, which I didn't see, but <laughs> it's just one of those things. They're trying to learn, and that's what the minor leagues are for, so that when they get to the majors, they are just, hey, here's your game, go play it. So Yeah, totally. I mean, I think with Bo, it was just, I think Bo got caught up in, in, in trying to match Vlad, and Bo's got to swing a lot harder to match Vlad. And so pitchers just, if, if they had any sliders with tilt, that's all they saw. Mm-hmm. And he was just pulling off of them. I think uh, mid-season, I know that Schneider worked with him mid-season. It, I, I remember hearing a story where it was just like, for two weeks, he saw nothing but sliders in BP. And it was just, you're going to hit sliders. And then he, he kind of just found himself again. The things that made Bo great weren't pulling 500-foot home runs to left field. It was hitting missiles into the right center field gap. That's when he started turning it around when he, when he stopped trying to match Vlad. That's what I think deep down because I've, yeah. I saw these guys play together, and they, play, they feed off each other. So, Yeah, it was, it was definitely a uh, – honestly, I was looking forward to seeing him play in the Arizona Fall League, uh, but I can definitely not blame them for giving him a break as far as everything goes and letting him run out and – he played a whole season where Vlad had more or less that month off, so I can see why they've decided to do that. Makes sense from an organization. These are going to be your two main guys in the next few years. you got to let them you know, figure it out on their own, and they did. I think that both of them were looking great at this point, and it's only going to get better. So, But as far as the rest of the guys here, we'll round out the guys that I'm going to lump into – the relieving ballpark here. We already kind of touched on Zach Jackson a minute ago, and then uh, we have Jackson McClelland, who's actually had, uh, looks kind of like he kind of found some of his stuff during the Arizona Fall League as far as his uh, overpowering part to possibly, you know, miss some more bats versus where he might have been getting hit a little bit harder during the regular part of the season this year. So, um, JP, why don't you start with uh, that pairing there? Yeah, so um, I caught McClelland a couple times, and he was mid to high 90s in my looks. Um, he was he was sitting something like 94 to 96 and touched 98, 99. Um, I thought there was a little bit of effort in the delivery, but, but the arm speed is crazy. And at times there was like a natural cut to his fastball. And um, he has this setup where he kind of starts with his back to the hitter. And um, it's like a deceptive short arm action and I think that makes it tough for the hitters to pick up the ball out of his hand um, and then he also has this uh, slider and the slider's pretty good um, decent two plane break although I do feel like it, the break is not it's not crazy late break so um, maybe the utility of the slider plays down a little bit for that reason but 
this is definitely a possible pen piece. Um, I don't see, uh, like, just other mechanical things I noticed. I think um, there's not a ton of lower body use there. It's a little bit upper body heavy. and um, But in general, I, I like this kid. I think, you know, definite pen piece. I'm not sure. Maybe, like, a setup type guy. I'm not sure if the stuff is there to close, but... Um, I could see him in high leverage setup type role. JP, can I ask you a question? Yeah. How would you compare him to Lou Trevino of the Athletics? Um, geez. I think I think Trevino's stuff maybe was a little bit better. I think his secondary stuff was sharper than McClellan's, but um, they both have pretty nasty stuff overall. Jackson wasn't uh, McClellan. He wasn't protected, so he's going to be eligible for the Rule Five draft this year. Oh wow! He didn't get protected. No, he, he didn't did get not. protected. And was, you remember? Uh, I, I don't know if you remember when we were doing uh, right after you got hired by the Brewers. I remember seeing this kid, and and I told you I was like, "Hey, man, if you can throw an ear into the uh, front office of the Brewers, I think that uh, they could probably get this guy for for cheap." You know, because he hit a hundred. You know, when I when when I've seen him. So, hey, whose show are we got, on here? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. he's got a he's got a big arm, man. I, I I like him. I think there's some deception. The fastball does straighten out a little bit, and he can get in trouble. He's got a really he he just can't blow guys away. I think hitters are too good now with velocity, but there's enough deception and there's enough arm speed that I think in short one inning burst. And he can go multi innings. He throws also, I believe a, I believe he throws a third pitch. I can't remember what it was. It's a changeup. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Is it a changeup? I only saw like one of them, but I I wrote in my notes changeup. So um, yeah, I've seen that when he was playing in New Hampshire, and um, because of that arm speed that you were enlightening to there, JP, it does look pretty uh, deceptive. He definitely has to work on it. I think at this point, but. It is a very nice change of pace for somebody that have that, you know, just in your hip pocket there to, to throw it out there when you're throwing the ball, like, just dancing around under 100. So, Yeah, it's like a steal me, steal account pitch is what I like to call them. You just yeah. bust it out when you need to steal a count. It's enough to keep a hitter honest. Yeah. So, but yeah, gentlemen, uh, so... I think that pretty much nails uh, what we wanted to talk about with the Arizona Fall League. Um, as far as I know, you guys aren't completely immersed in the Blue Jays, you know, all the time. But over the last couple of years, I'm sure you've seen plenty of guys you like. Blue Jays prospects, uh, JP. Is there anybody Blue Jays you'd like to gush at? <laughs> um, I've well, one guy Jason and I saw during instructs is Arelvis Martinez, the. Uh, J2, big J2 signing, and we both love this kid. So, And this is only from viewing him in BP, and and I, I saw him in a sim game too, but you know this wasn't even actual game action, but you can still see the talent. It's very evident. Um, he, he, it's a very easy swing, drives the ball with little effort. Um, he like twists his front leg back, and I think that just creates a lot of torque in his swing. And it was pretty serious all-fields power. The first day I saw him just pulling most balls. The second day I saw him using opposite field more in the BP. And um, you can just see the talent. And it's it's sort of crazy. And this probably just sounds sounds like I'm 
taking too much of uh, batting practice into account, but um, this kid's going to be special. I mean, JP, both you and I have seen guys in BP just hit bomb after bomb after bomb, but there's a lot of effort in the swing. There's a lot of just, uh, there's a lot, the swing can, you know, long finishes and stuff like that. It's the way he's hitting it, not that he is. Yeah, the fact that he's able to just basically just, you know, twist on his back leg and then throw his hands at the ball, and it's just an explosive, explosive BP. And he didn't, he didn't cut it loose then. Um, so right. I, yeah. I don't even, yeah, those weren't those weren't max effort hacks at no, all. No way. And it was still just you know line drives with with carry, um, and you know for a sixteen year old he he was and he's he's strong. He's got a he's a mature frame for a sixteen year old. Yeah, so I, I just think, to enlighten the Blue Jays fans here because I think you guys actually a freaking out prospect the most Blue Jays fans here with Aralvis Martinez. So at the moment, anyways, MLB Pipeline has him ranked as the thirteenth Blue Jays prospect out of their top thirty, and he was recently drafted in this last run of the international uh, draft. So you, what I, you guys are probably one of the very few Blue Jays fans slash prospect people that have actually had a chance to see this kid. And well, who cares about Pipeline, Craig? Where did we, where we did think we that's rank? too oh, low? You guys rank them then? Come on. Well, I don't know. I don't have low. the site pulled up. <laughs> Let me pull up the website real quick, and I'll tell you where we had him ranked. Um, hold on, be because it's it's I'm looking at it's video, been like still. it's been like uh, it's been like two months. I feel like since I since I wrote that Blue Jays top thirty. Let me pull it up real quick, and I'll tell you where we had him. I I I kind of feel like that was close. Um, we're close to where they were. Well, they're close to where we were because we've actually seen it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, regardless of where I think he is now without having stepped on a, uh, on a professional field, uh, this kid has a chance to shoot up into that top five next year. And that is if Bo Bichette and Groshans, or, or I'm sorry, if Bo and, and uh, well, let's say Jansen, right, you know, that's, Jansen's going to lose his eligibility. Vlad will lose his eligibility. But even if those guys were still in the top five, Orelvis has the uh, the tools to shoot up into that top five. Oh, uh, we had him thirteen too. So so there you go. So all your prospect live has it too. So you guys are all on point and know everything. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Guru level. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah. Blue Jays fans, come to our site. He's on the front page. If you scroll down to prospect videos, you can watch him take BP. See what we're talking about. Uh, get hyped because he—I think he is the next. He's going to lead the next wave of great teenage prospects, and I say that as Vlad Jr. is still 19. <laughs> <laughs> I think that says something, at least, especially the Blue Jays fans, knowing how the hype surrounding Vlad, with good reason, by that. So. Um, so now you guys gave us the guy that you're most looking forward to. Who's the closest major league ready guy that you guys see that is ready to take on the major leagues and run with it? I think I can safely say that uh, JP and I and Danny Jansen are all registered at uh, Target, Bed Bath and Beyond, uh, <laughs> Home, you know, Home Depot. So uh, if you want to get us a marriage gift, I think that we are we are both. We are both. I'm, I'm hitching. I'm hitching my my cart to the Danny Jansen wagon. Is that is that how the term goes? Anyways, Danny Jansen is is. I think Danny Jansen's going to be 
the best fantasy catcher over the next five years. It may not start next year, but there's going to be a five-year run where Danny Jansen is the catcher in Major League Baseball. He is going to be the dude. I have to go out on a limb and say this. I'm very excited for Danny Jansen's too. I haven't quite, you know, wound up to go get to the gift registry or anything at this point. But <laughs> as far as all the things go, um, and this is coming from a person that I've been completely jaded by Blue Jays prospects over the year at the catching position just because the fact that we've been hyped up so many times for the Ken Huckabees of the world, the J.P. Aaron Sebias, the Kevin Cashes, who is a better manager than he is. <laughs> so um, it's insane the fact that I'm actually excited for a catcher after those names drop through Blue Jays history. And this kid is ready-made, in my opinion. And watching him hit at the AAA level this last year with the Buffalo Bisons being, you know, here in Rochester, New York, all the time. I went every time I had a chance to go see the Bisons. And he he just knows how to hit. And, yes, it might have been all of a sudden the glasses. That might have been the big deciding factor in him being able to see the ball and distinguish that. But it doesn't matter. He had the skills before that, and it's just night and day now that he's actually making good contact with everything because he can see it. JP, you want to talk about the Blake Snell's at bat that it was like the most <laughs> the most impressive strikeout we've ever seen. It really from was. A, from a hitter um, standpoint. The, Jansen strikes out, but we were still, our jaws were like, this guy's a fucking dude. That was like the biggest takeaway of that entire game was yeah. Danny Jansen striking out. But Against just, Blake Snell. He just made Snell work so hard for it. He was laying off just nasty breaking pitches um, both sides of the plate and he, he, I think he worked it to a full count before striking yeah. out. So, I mean, he easily could have gone down. I think I think probably three-quarters of the hitters in MLB would have struck out on three or four pitches there. But just the fact that Jansen made him work and was able to lay off, like, I mean, Snell's stuff is nasty. So, like, just being able to lay off of that and um, – the feel for the zone is 70 grade, maybe 80 grade. Like he has an immense um, pitch recognition and, and a feel for the zone. I think that's his probably his best skill as a player. Yeah, and in the Rogers Center with these juiced balls, geez, forget about it. He's going to hit 12 home hit to 15 home runs last year. He's he. It wouldn't surprise me if he hits 20 next year easily. Yeah. Those three days at the Rogers Center were actually very impressive, too, so as far as everything yeah. goes. The thing that I have, regardless if the ball goes over the fence, Danny Jansen's going to pepper the living heck out of that outfield wall. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the power's there, and it's going to come out in spades, I think, in the AL East ballparks. But I think the thing that impressed me, like you guys said there, other than the, you know, the pitch recognition is through the roof. I saw similar of those at-bats while I was watching him face major league and ex-major leaguers here in the International League. Um, but for those of you not scoring at home, Blake Snell just won the Cy Young Award. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, and then if you Blake's, are scoring at home, yeah. who cares, according to what Bob Uecker says. So. <laughs> Blake Snell is, is the nastiest pitcher I've ever seen. I haven't seen a lot in person. So, But of the, of the ones I've seen in person, Blake Snell is by far the nastiest. Takes the cake. So, but yeah, so gentlemen, um, JP, maybe you want to start as we wrap this whole thing up. Um, we usually like to try keeping these around an hour on these Jaybird watchings, so we're about that line right now. 
Uh, JP, what are you working on at the moment, or what can you divulge that you're working on, you know, at the moment for Prospects Live? Yes. So um, with Prospects Live, I'm trying to bang out another couple of AFL pieces. One is going to be like a superlatives, best skills type of thing. And um, then I was going to write a second one on just guys who I think are a little under the radar, kind of undervalued guys from the AFL. And, you know, trying to get that done in the next few days while it's still topical. And um, those are in the, the foreground for me. A little bit further out, I have the Texas Rangers top 30, and I'll be working on that too. Gotcha. Are we talking in the Austin Listy ballpark here? Listy will be on the undervalued dudes list for sure. <laughs> roger, roger. I had to say it from our pregame talk here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Listy will not be undervalued tomorrow when I drop this Phillies top 30. <laughs> there you go. So, okay, well, then JW. <laughs> what do you, other yeah. top 30, what you got? Well, I mean, I just, uh, you know, we're, we're just grinding at Prospects Live. We're trying to, uh, you know, just trying to get a couple posts out every day between the, the nine of us or the eight of us that, uh, you know, that are, that are heavily involved. And um, there's not a lot of baseball to see. So I'm just going to take it easy and uh, hammer out a couple top 30s and, and, uh, you know, look for, looking forward to, uh, I think, high school starts around January, so I'm just really looking forward to that, you know. Yeah, there you go as far as all that kind of goes. Uh, JP, where can they find you on Twitter or in, uh, other than at Prospects Live? Yeah, so my Twitter handle is just at, it's my name, at Jason Panini, and it's P-E-N-N-I-N-I. I sound like the sandwich, but I'm spelled differently. <laughs> there you go, and uh, Jason Woodell. Oh, I'm at um, at Jason at the game. There you go. So, gentlemen, um, it's been a pleasure. Um, obviously, feel free to hang out and talk with me after the fact here. But um, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad we were able to get this uh, um, going here. Uh, I always love to talk minor league baseball. And all these guys we have talked about today are guys that Blue Jays fans should be getting excited about. And it, the future is coming for Blue Jays fans faster than I think they realize you know, that wonderful cynicism that we always have as Toronto Blue Jays fans, just kind of almost knowing that everything's going to be a bad, like, Angry Bird-like episode all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, gentlemen, I JP, thank you very much. JW, thank you very much. <laughs> well, thanks for having us yeah. on. Craig, yeah. I always want to talk about Blue Jays, guys, so uh, anytime. Sounds good. It's, I may as well just, you know, make this a more reoccurring thing. <laughs> Let's do it. So. We are true baseball holics. There yeah. you go, guys. I'm glad we can talk anytime. Uh, I smell, smell our own on that one. So, everybody, thank you very much for tuning into Jaybird Watching. Do not forget to hit us up with those subscribe buttons all over the Internet. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. At this point, we have a wonderful new website that I've been working very hard on just to try making sure that you guys actually have a spot to find us other than at South of the Six, which is our you know parent company brother or whatever you want to call it <laughs> so make sure you hit us up there as well as long as joining us um at bird watching gc on twitter along with prospects live in the house here today too and make sure you follow all their wonderful prospect stuff thanks again gentlemen and we're going to be out Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.